0: My name is Evan Kutzer with Kutzer Farms in Atkins, Texas. Uh, you're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin.
2: Hello, Texas. It is always a pleasure to bring you another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're gonna take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, cotton planting here in Texas running a bit behind this year. In fact, it's running so far behind that some of that acreage is going to be planted in grain and forage crops due to insurance deadlines. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in texas agriculture from the piney woods of east texas to the rocky ranges of the trans pecos and from the panhandle down to the rio grande valley
3: the weather outlook is promising as feed yards in the texas high plains continue to work their way through the effects of heavy rains i'm james hunt and we'll talk about that on texas ag today
4: about one half of u.s wheat is exported For this reason, wheat farmers in Texas and across the nation are relying on continued funding in the 2023 Farm Bill for export market development programs. I'm Tom Nicolotti, and I'll have that report on Texas Ag Today.
5: Wheat harvest and spring planting is moving along here in Texas. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story in today's report from the
2: Rolling Plays. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Cotton planting still running a bit behind this year, with 60% of the Texas cotton crop now in the ground. That's nine points behind the five-year average pace. Rain in the Texas Panhandle and Southern Plains is one reason for that, but it's hard to complain about rain after two years of drought. Ricky Yantis grows cotton in the Littlefield area, and he says this is a drastically different planting season compared to last year.
0: Last year was a really troublesome planting year on the other side of the spectrum. This year it's been wet. You know, last year there were no dry land crops, you know, at all. And this year, you know, our dry land finally got enough rain to sprout it. But through all these rains we're Probably sitting pretty good on some moisture right now. And in comparison, I was visiting with a friend the day before yesterday and he said, yeah, I'm having to get off every two rounds and clean the mud off of my disc I thought, I said, yeah, I've sent dough farmer ever before, you know, cause it's, we're planting in wet soil that like we've never had before. You know, planting when it's real wet is troublesome as well. It bakes, it
2: dries out faster. When you have real wet dirt and you open it up with your planter, it, it dries out faster. And it all may cause some cotton acres to go to other crops this year due to planting deadlines. And I think there'll be some cotton acres lost
0: that'll go to other crops. You know, if it rains for several days here and put us off more, there'll be some acres lost to cotton up in our area because we'll be getting too late to plant cotton and there'll just be other crops that we'll plant instead.
2: Yanta says there are several dairies in his area, so corn may be a good option on ground where irrigation is good. Texas Senator John Cornyn and New Mexico Senator Ben Ray Lujan have introduced the Cattle Fever Tick Eradication Program Enhancement Act, which would help combat cattle fever tick infestations here in Texas and across the country. In recent years, cattle fever ticks have skyrocketed, threatening the cattle industry across Texas and the nation. The legislation would direct the Secretary of Agriculture to enter into a contract with a land-grant college or university or a non-land-grant college of agriculture to study the effectiveness of the USDA Cattle Fever Tick Eradication Program. It would also require a report on any suggestions for improvements to the program. The legislation is endorsed by the Texas Farm Bureau and the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. Companion legislation was introduced in the House by Texas Representative Monica de la Cruz. The weather outlook is promising as Texas High Plains feed yards continue to work their way through the effects of recent heavy rains. James Hunt tells us a let-up in the rain will be a big help.
3: With carcass removal and disposal complete, the sad tally of cattle killed in recent feed yard flooding in and around the Hereford area comes to approximately 4,000 head. Ben Weinheimer of Texas Cattle Feeders Association also says about a dozen feed yards were impacted by flooding to the point where day-to-day operations were disrupted. A big effort to restore things back to normal at those yards continues. But even feed yards that have not sustained major flooding have still been affected by our massive rains in recent weeks. It's just a plain fact that weight gain efficiency for cattle can be thrown off when pens are muddy, and that can mean animals being kept on feed a little longer or sold at lighter weights. Weinheimer says cattle feeders are looking forward to a break in the weather.
0: As we look at the longer term forecast, we see some warmer temperatures, less probability of additional rainfall. So, this impact on performance of cattle and the ability to optimize the efficiencies of our feed yards should return to normal here in a couple of weeks.
3: Now here's some really good news out of Lubbock where Texas Tech University has been chosen to host the Global Sorghum Conference in 2026. The event could bring in representatives of 60 or more countries. Dr. Darren Hudson of Texas Tech says the attendees will include not only sorghum scientists. But you also
6: have a large portion of this that is going to be related to human and animal nutrition, logistics, marketing, policy. All of those elements will be represented along with the commercial side of the sorghum industry in terms of shippers,
3: buyers, end users of those products. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio
2: Network. Wheat export programs in the Farm Bill are very important to the wheat industry. Tom Nicoletti has the story from Washington.
4: My guest today is Vince Peterson. He is president of the U.S. Wheat Associates. Caught up with Vince recently in our nation's capital, and Vince... Here in Washington, D.C., of course, uh, the debate has already started, the the rewrite in a new 2023 farm bill. What are your interests uh, for wheat farmers across the nation and, of course, in Texas? when it comes to exports in the, the new legislation.
7: Our interest in the Farm Bill is one only small little corner of that trillion-dollar-plus bill. There are two programs in there that are about 30 and 40 years old. They're export market development programs that provide market promotion money that groups like ours, Grains Council, Soybean Association, all those groups can use for marketing our products overseas. So in the case of U.S. Wheat, we operate 14 offices internationally, have about 80 people, millers, bakers, technicians, marketing people, that we use that money to support our export program. About half of the weed grown in the United States is exported.
4: Only about 9% or thereabouts of the farm bill in the past, in the 2018 farm bill, was actually devoted to commodities.
7: Yeah, everything else is food stamps, social services. The part of it that really applies
4: to the farm community is pretty small in the farm bill. So moving forward, what's the next step in trying to get what you want hammered out in the bill?
7: We've got work on several fronts. One, our sister organization, National Association of Weed Growers, is a lobby group. They work part of that funding for us. We're also part of coalition. There's about 70 organizations like ours, from, from wheat, corn, soybeans, rice, all the way to the California fruits and nuts, all that have an interest in these programs. So there's a pretty big coalition that are trying to work to secure that. It's not easy. Money's tight, and we're all good stewards of spending taxpayer
4: money, so we have it to be realistic. That is Vince Peterson. He is president of the U.S. Wheat Associates. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Wheat harvest and spring planting are both moving forward in the Texas rolling plains. Barry Mahler has an update from Wichita Falls. I
5: mentioned in an earlier report that things would get busy as we rolled into June here in North Texas, and that is exactly what's happened. Wheat harvest is underway, only slowed down some by some thunder showers that usually roll across the area this time of the year. Now, yields are all over the map, just as we expected with some erratic weather back earlier in the year. That's going to limit things a little bit in some places. But I'm hearing yields in the low to mid 20 bushel range and others in the upper 50s. A lot of variables contribute to that, such as rotation history, fertility level, pest management, and let's face it, the quality of the land makes a difference. Some of this ground just has more potential than others. I'm seeing more variety in the spring crop planting choice this year as farmers search for a good rotation crop, kind of outside of the usual wheat and cotton choice. I'm seeing lots more acres of grain sorghum than in the past, and several things are driving that move. Better genetics has to be at the top of that list, which gives the crop, well, more yield potential than in the past. And new herbicides that control grasses are also very important. Any spring-planted crop seems to be affected by grassy weeds as the rains come across and the ground warms up. I witnessed a neighbor just in the past couple of weeks turn a crop of Milo around with just one application of an over-the-top herbicide to take out those grasses. The improvement of the crop was dramatic. It happened in just a few days as the grass pressure was eliminated. There is no doubt that technology is bringing improved crop production to the table for the folks here in Texas. Market is always a factor, and grain sorghum is competitive right now and has the potential to show a profit. And the cotton planters are rolling with the late gene planting date drawing near and we have more corn planted than we've seen in the past. One thing is for sure, our weather has provided just enough moisture to get the crops going, but it's going to take some timely rain to get them through the summer. Reporting from North Central Texas, I'm Barry Mahler for Texas Ag Today.
8: While Texas has just passed 500 cases of chronic wasting disease, our northern neighbor Oklahoma has just seen its first case in a wild deer. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today.
2: Most cattle producers castrate their bull calves, but some do not. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? Anytime I'm talking to a friend about new music and I don't know what it is, it's probably because they were listening to radio and I was.
6: I'm nosy. I like to know what's going on, and radio usually is right there telling me what and when is going on and where it's going on.
9: Oh, listen in the barn, skid loader, tractor, and just about anywhere you can.
0: When you put the lights on on the barn, the radio went on. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today.
1: We're keeping you informed on everything happening
2: in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Most cattle producers castrate their bull calves, but there are some who do not. Dr. Bob Judd says castration can have a lot of benefits.
9: Kelly Curie Raper indicates at drovers.com that in 2013, 10% of the calves coming through the livestock auctions at weaned and feeder calf sales were bulls. That number dropped to less than 5% in 2022. Most experts in marketing calves believe this is a trend in the right direction. From a health perspective, calves castrated at less than three months old experience lower stress, less sickness, and lower rates of death loss. From an animal welfare perspective, older calves experience more stress at castration, and a longer period of stress-related impacts relative to calves castrated at birth or at branding. Bull calves are more aggressive, which can lead to injury of other animals and humans. As far as quality, the Oklahoma Extension Service indicates calves weighing more than 500 pounds at castration generally have carcasses with less marbling and lower tenderness ratings. Also, bull calves castrated after three months of age will weigh 20 pounds less at weaning and will require 12 more days in the feedlot to reach slaughter weight. Bull calves take an economic hit at the sale barn as they are discounted when they are the same weight as steers, and the older the calf, the greater the discount. Recent data from Oklahoma indicates larger bulls were discounted $12 per hundred weight compared to steer calves, which is about $60 per head on a 500-pound calf. If you don't regularly castrate your bull calves, making $60 a head more per calf will allow you to pay for some good working facilities fairly quickly to castrate these bull calves. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: We have seen a lot of chronic wasting disease cases here in Texas, but our neighbors to the north have not. Jessica Domo says Oklahoma has just confirmed their very first case of CWD in a wild deer.
8: Chronic wasting disease has spread to the Oklahoma panhandle. The Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation announced earlier this week that a landowner in Texas County, which is north of the Texas-Oklahoma border, reported to them that a white-tailed deer was acting abnormally. The department was able to find the deer near Optima, which is about 20 miles north of the Texas border and northeast of Guymon, and they tested it for the fatal neurological deer disease. The deer tested positive, marking the first case of the disease in a wild deer in Oklahoma. Jerry Shaw, Wildlife Program Supervisor for the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation, said while it is unfortunate news, it's not unexpected since CWD has already been found in every state that borders Oklahoma. He said they're working through their response plan to ensure they can monitor the potential spread of CWD and keep the state's deer herd healthy. While this was the first case of CWD in a wild deer in Oklahoma, Texas saw its first case of CWD in 2012. That was in a free-ranging mule deer in an isolated area in far west Texas. Since then, around 500 deer in Texas, both in the wild and in deer breeding facilities, have tested positive for CWD. To prevent the spread of the disease, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department and the Texas Animal Health Commission have implemented surveillance and containment zones in areas where the disease has been found. In those areas, hunters are required to bring CWD-susceptible species like white-tailed and mule deer that they've harvested to a CWD check station to be tested. Deer breeders are also testing their deer for the disease. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel.
2: We saw a mixed trade in the cattle and cotton markets on Friday while the grain markets moved lower. Look at all the Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: Why do you listen?
8: I
3: just want to stay informed
8: while I'm on the go. News on the radio. It's nice because it's just a quick snippet and I don't have to go searching for it or grab a paper.
9: I listen to radio because anywhere that I'm going, I'm listening to music or
2: I'm listening to a talk show or I'm just trying to stay up on current events.
6: I always turn into the radio to see if I need to take shelter or where it's hitting to see what I need to be preparing for.
2: Why do you listen?
0: Go to whyilisten.com. Tell us why you listen and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today.
1: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
2: The cattle market traded mixed on Friday, wrapping up the week with some contracts higher, some contracts lower. We'll start with live cattle. June live cattle down 55 cents, 178.22. The August down 40, 171.85, while October up 10 at 174.80. Feeder cattle finishing higher on the nearby contracts, lower on the deferreds. August feeders up 35, 239 even. September up 22 at 241.70. October feeder cattle up 5, 243.50. Now we talked about that lower close on the nearby contracts in live cattle. Bit of a head scratcher because cash fed cattle continue to climb higher this week. Here in Texas, we sold most of our cattle at 185. That's five bucks higher than last week. We did see reports of some higher sales, but again, that was on a much lower number of cattle, the bulk of the cattle this week at 185. As you move north, Kansas sold cattle from 185 to 188. And when you get into the northern plains, Nebraska, Iowa, and the Dakotas, 190 to 193 was the live price this week, 300 to 304 dressed. Those prices up north, two to four bucks higher on a live basis, 10 bucks higher on the rail. Boxed beef prices higher on Friday. Choice up 225 at 330.98. Select up 247-306.57. Now let's check those auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble.
9: Brian Linsman, my guest, sold cattle in Seguin on Wednesday. Sold sheep too. Brian, how
8: did it all go?
6: It was good again, Larry. I mean, this this thing, it, it easiest way to sum it's getting wild on the cattle end. I uh, ended up with six hundred and sixty-two head of cattle. Uh, quality not as deep. But market just a little bit stronger this week than last week. I mean, I'm not going to quote it, but it, it was definitely better. Uh, two to three weights steers two hundred seven to three forty. Three to four weights dollar ninety four to two hundred three. Four to five weights two twelve to three hundred five. Five to six weights dollar ninety five to two seventy seven. Six to seven weights dollar eighty to two thirty with seven day weights steers dollar seventy one to two hundred six. Get to the heifer weights two to three weights dollar ninety two to three forty five. Three to four weights two sixteen to two sixty eight. Four to five weights dollar ninety eight. Two fifty-two, five to six weights, one eighty-two to two twenty-one with six seven hundred pound efforts, dollar seventy-eight to 210. Top end of the cows, one oh seven today. Had a few pairs, fifteen hundred to nineteen hundred. Uh, had some palpated cows, seven twenty-five to twelve hundred. Top end of the bulls, one twenty-six. So, like I said, you you start doing some math and uh, lots of dollars, lots right. of dollars. How about sheep and goats? Sheep and goats ended up with eight hundred seventy-seven head of those. Uh, market a little bit better than last week. Uh, top end of the nannies, two hundred eighty with those kid goats. Bring from two eighty to three fifty. It gets to the door for you, top end up to one hundred and thirty dollars with the door for lambs bring from one eighty to two thirty five. So kick better than last week, but like I said, still selling good. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Brian. You can give us a call at eight three oh three seven nine 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 five five, or you can call me on my cell phone at 830-305-0652. We appreciate you. Thank you very much. All right, talk to you next week, cousin Larry. You bet.
9: Bye bye. Bye bye. Neighbor, we'll see you tomorrow on Walk in the Pins, Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You're listening to us right now on Texas Ag Today.
2: Back over to the futures market now We're lean hogs finished higher in Friday's trade. The June contract up 20 cents, 87.87, while July hogs were up 242, 89.62. Class three milk was lower. Nearby June milk down 3, 15.12, 100, with July milk down 10 cents, 15.97, 100 weight. The cotton market closed mixed. Not much reaction to USDA's crop production and supply and demand report that was out on Friday. They did show lower beginning stocks, but higher production, higher exports, and higher ending stocks. They raised the overall production estimate here in the U.S. by 1 million bales, up to 16.5 million. They also raised exports by half a million bales, now standing at an estimate of 14 million bales. July cotton finishing 27 lower, 84.04, October down 10, 83.85, with December cotton up 19 points, 81.82 cents. Corn market finishing lower in reaction to the report. July corn dropped 6 cents, 6.04 and a quarter. September corn down 4, 5.24 and a half, while December corn was down 2.5 at 5.30 and a half. The wheat market closed mixed. Hard wheat was lower, soft wheat was higher. USDA increased its estimate of ending wheat stocks from 556 to 562 million bushels, that is the lowest number in 16 years. July Kansas City wheat down 7 cents, 7.97 and 3 quarters, July Chicago wheat up 4 at 6.30 and a quarter. In the energy markets, July natural gas was down 9 cents, 2.26, July West Texas crude down a dollar 6 at 70.23 a barrel. The financial markets were slightly higher Friday afternoon. The Dow up 65 points, 33,899. The Nasdaq up 28 at 13,267. The S&P up 7 at 4,301. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening
1: to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.